Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are headed into more of Alma's speeches to his sons. So the last week we did a little bit of Alma 35, 36. We, we sat and talked about the three speech, the three sons of Alma the Younger, and he is speaking to each of them. And before we take this big breath, this big pause, and before we jump into the war chapters. So I wanted to kind of continue on. And there, there are two big things that I think we uh, find in these chapters that I thought we could cover today. First is that there is more discussion on his last son, Corianton. So we leave Helaman and Shiblon and we move on to Corianton. And there's a lot of advice there. He had a lot of uh, interesting challenges and some maybe some personal apostasy, some issues going on. And then also there seems to be a lot of theology. So we actually see a lot about the understanding of the atonement, the resurrection, and what's actually happening there. And and so they're kind of those two sides, this advice about apostasy and understanding and some, some personal issues. And then maybe some of the questions and doubts and misunderstandings that Corianton had had that drove some of some of this, we're not sure what caused all of this, except that we see he had a lot of questions. So those are the two parts. So I thought we could cover at least a little bit of that today. So let's talk about, um, before we talk about that, let me talk a little bit about purpose and kind of the purpose of scripture and just, just my thoughts. You, you probably have some different ones. But, you know, recently we've been talking about, I've told you a little bit about myself, but I went back to uh, do some undergrad work to do some prerequisites to do the master's program. So currently I'm in a master's program at Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a Catholic university in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And uh, I do a lot of it online, but um, I went back originally to do some undergrad work to be able to do some of the Hebrew and some of the requirements. And so when I went back, where I went back to school for the undergrad was an evangelical, so a Protestant Christian uh, university, and I did Bible and theology. And so their focus was really on the Bible. And so one of the reasons that I've gone, I went to that school, I have a mentor that goes there, but also it's really focused on scripture. So um, I, I wanted that. I wanted something that was going to be really focused on scripture and taken from the aspect of believers. I didn't want to study theology or uh, or Bible or or anything scripture like that from from a, just a purely scholastic. I wanted to take it from someone who believed. They might believe a little differently than me, but they were faithful, and that was important to me. But I found myself as I went in through this undergrad program, uh, just just totally enveloped in the scriptures. And then more and more and more. And it, man, every day I would come home from my regular job and I would have to sit down and, and really dig in and read. And we read the entire Bible, um, and I would say a couple of times through, and some three or four, some books three, four, five times, and certainly sections just just pouring over it and studying it. And so I would spend, uh, sometimes you would spend some time learning the history or the context, sometimes the foreign language like Hebrew or something like that. However, what I found the most of the time that I had to spend time on to do these assignments was just reading, just reading and looking and, and studying. It wasn't all commentaries. It wasn't what someone else said. 
It was, what do the scriptures themselves say? And I will tell you, it it just lit a fire on me. It was so exciting. And I just, every time I would turn to the page, it, I, I, it was just thrilling. And I would find myself waking up in the middle of the night to, to read more and to read again and, and to ponder and to consider and make notes and see correlations and then go reread a different book. And wow, that reminds me now. And, and just, man, I was just on fire with uh, scripture reading. So that being said, um, the scriptures are for everyone. The script, you don't have to be a scholar. You, you can be a scholar if you like the scholarly approach, if you like the academic approach. But you can just be a person who just reads them for the first time or for the 10,000th time, and I think they have something for you. Um, and I, I think that was just so, that was what was so powerful about my experience of going back to school is that these are scriptures we've grown up reading forever. I mean, it's the Bible. But having gone back to and really spend a lot of time, I found that, boy, they were just, they always gave something back to me. There was always more there. And the more I studied, the more I found, and the more uh, I felt just spiritually alive. So exciting. So um, why am I telling you that? Well, just to contrast, since I've gone into my master's program, um, and it was just started and all of that, but uh, just you might say, well, how much scripture are you reading? And none. We have read no scripture, really. Um, we're just doing theology and theory and philosophy and writing. And uh, there's some leadership parts of it because it's a program that's for you to be um, involved in your community, what they call pastoral work. So you could be a, uh, a chaplain or work at a hospital or, or help people as a teacher. But um, so it works a lot with people. So it has some focus on that. But I, I found myself being not that excited at all. Nothing like the undergrad. Now it just started, so I'm giving myself a breath. But where's the excitement? Where's the excitement? I want to get back to the scriptures. I realize that it's get back to the scriptures. So as much as I love to read, I love to read what other scholars have to say, and I really do. It's what's more and more important is how we let the word, how we let the seed, how we let it change our hearts. It's how we become what God wants us to be. So it isn't what you know. It's what you believe. So if you're listening to this, my challenge is to each of us is to return to the scriptures. Take them for what they are for you. Don't take what I say. Don't take what somebody else says. But read them. Love them. Make them part. Let that the word be that seed that changes in our heart and changes and changes the belief that we have and changes us from the inside out. That's, that's the power of what we're going to read today. So let's turn there. Let's turn there and um, let's make it a little bit more like my undergrad and a little bit less <laughs> like like the Catholic school. Right, well, okay, we'll give it a chance. Uh, it's just starting. I still have a lot of hope. I met my new graduate advisor and I was assigned the rabbi. So Rabbi Goldstein is my graduate school advisor. So they clearly know that the Old Testament's my gig. So I'm all right. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. But anyway, all right. So let's go back. My challenge to us, again, read the scriptures, for, go to the scriptures themselves. They're for you. They're for me. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to. But just see what you get out of them. See what you get out of them. See what you can uh, dig into and what they mean to you. So we're back to this section with Corianton and Shiblam. 
uh, why is this here? Remember, this is his advice, his advice, uh, Alma Jr.'s advice to his children. In fact, he actually says in Alma 13, uh, 35, 16, he says these are his commandments to his children. So this isn't just some generic, like some coaching advice or a calm word. These are his commandments. And we actually find very soon that um, Alma leaves and he's never heard from again. So we know that Alma is not going to be around much longer. Um, and so these are some of his last real conversations that he has with his children. And we don't have his daughters being spoken to in here, but, um, but his, certainly his sons. So commandments. Uh, first, he, it seems to be advising the, uh, the oldest son, right? And, and we remember that's Helaman. And we're going to follow Helaman's line through much of the rest of the Book of Mormon. So you're going to read... Uh, we read Alma Sr., now Alma Jr., and then you're going to get Helaman, and then another Helaman, and then Lehi and Nephi, um, the brothers, and then Nephi and the Nephi, and it goes on. To, so the, the, the path of where the records are going to go and the writings are going to go through this family. So we've been passed off from uh, the other families, from the Nephites and Lehites, and now moving on through this family of Alma. And so here we are in the middle. So we meet. Helaman. Helaman, we remember, was sober, which was an interesting word. Oh, that doesn't mean he wasn't a drunkard. It means he's serious, right? He's, he's contemplative. He's uh, thoughtful. Um, he is not immature, so it more like be mature. But he's sober, obedient, a covenant keeper, right? It talks a lot about the covenant. He also is the keeper of the records. Additionally, he keeps the symbols of the Nephite nation, the Liahona, which, by the way, is the first time we hear its name is actually the Liahona. It's under the director or the ball. So just FYI, the Liahona, first time we hear its actual name. Um, and the Sword of Laban, number of things there. So he's, he's going to keep not only the covenants, the records, but also these symbols of the Nephite nation, Nephite religion, the Nephite believers, is going to go to Helaman. And then one of my favorite characters is actually Shiblon. Shiblon, we learn, is very obedient and he's humble. And it says here, um, he gives some interesting advice uh, to his son Shiblon. And he says this, See that ye are not lifted up unto pride. Yea, see that ye did not boast in your own wisdom, nor of your, of your much strength. So interesting why I bring that is because those are exactly the things that are going to make uh, Corianton stumble. He's going to be pride, proudful. He's going to have pride. And he's also going to boast of his own wisdom and his own much strength. They, they, were, they were strong in the gospel. They were strong in their beliefs. And yet Corianton seems to have forgotten this. So when here's Shiblon using it appropriately, and here is a compare and a contrast. So just interesting, if you look at, if you compare it, you'll see that they're almost literally the same exact words from the speech to Shiblon and the speech and the commandments to Corianton. But some keys there. He says, see that you are not lifted up unto pride. Yea, see that you do not boast of your own wisdom, nor of your much strength. Interesting keys there. What else do we learn about Shiblon that's something that we can take home as we read on, on to Corianton? He says that uh, he's blessed for being steadf steadfastness and his faithfulness in keeping his eternal covenants of God. So he was a covenant keeper as well. Have ye have commenced in your youth? So while Shiblon is just growing up, he's already showing these great signs of being obedient. Also, because of thy faithfulness, namely here keeping his missionary covenants, and thy diligence and thy patience and thy long suffering among the people of the Zoramites, and thou didst bear all these things with patience, because the Lord was with thee, and now thou knowest that the Lord did deliver thee. So 
what I love about this, the Shiblon is, is very true. He's true to himself, but he's also true to what he's been taught in the covenants. Even though there was great persecution, even though there was great challenges, great um, debates, they definitely ch were challenged by the Zoramites. And this is where we see the contrast in the other son, Corianton. Corianton, I think, is a little bit like all of us, isn't he? He's somebody that we say, oh, gosh, you know, that, that could be any of us. And so just to remember, those are some of the outlines that we see about Shiblon. Now let's go to Corianton and read a little there. Okay, so I'm going to pick up in Alma 39, and I just want to read the first couple uh, instructions, the first couple verses. And I want you to think about, you've read this before, you know it, but I want you to think about what do you think is is Alma trying to advise about? Is he trying to advise um, about his behavior? Is he trying to about specific behavior? What is what is Alma trying to get to? Is there one main theme, a couple of things going on? So we're just going to read a couple of verses, and I want you to listen. Just see if you can pick something up here. Alma 39, uh, it's about 1 through 4. And now, my son, I have somewhat more to say unto thee than what I said unto thy brother. That was Shiblon. For behold... Have ye not observed the steadiness of thy brother, his faithfulness, and his diligence in keeping the commandments of God? Behold, has he not set a good example for thee? For thou didst not give so much heed unto my words as did thy brother among the people of the Zoramites. Now this is what I have against thee. Thou didst go on unto boasting in thy strength and thy wisdom. And this is not all, my son. Thou didst do that which was grievous unto me, for thou didst forsake the ministry, and did go over to the land of Siron among the borders of the Lamanites after the harlot Isabel. And yea, she did steal away the hearts of many, but this was no excuse for thee, my son. Thou shouldest have tended to the ministry wherewith thou wast entrusted. Know ye not, my son, that these things are an abomination in the sight of the Lord? Yea, most abominable of all sins, save the shedding of innocent blood or the denying of the Holy Ghost. For behold, if ye deny the Holy Ghost when it once had been place, had place in you, and ye know that ye deny it, behold, this is a sin which is unpardonable. Yea, and whosoever murdereth against the light and knowledge of God, it is not easy for him to obtain forgiveness. Yea, I say unto you, my son, it is not easy for him to obtain forgiveness. All right. So then he goes on to take it. So I, I think we read these scriptures and did you see anything in there that maybe is like, what is he talking about here? He certainly has a theme. And, and I think there are two directions that you see this most commonly understood to be. And I think both are super valid. So I don't want you to say, Lori, that's not what it says. And that's not what the manual says. But I'm going to throw one your way that you might not see. Um, the first one that you probably do see is he's saying it clearly um, had uh, Corianton had certainly not been that diligent in keeping the commandments. And so he's a direct, he's drawing a direct parallel with uh, Shiblon. And that's why I read that other scripture, because he said you weren't humble and you didn't uh, look to keeping your covenants. He said he, he did the opposite of that. And he was uh, boasted in his own strength. And we're going to find that later. He, it seems like the Shiblon, Shiblon was very good at that. And Corianton looks like he got into some verbal spar, sparring debates and lost. And it actually shook his, testimony and so I think what he's saying is you don't boast in your own strength don't think that you're going to be all great at this debating thing or, or trying to fight um, religious probably antichrists but but that you might need to be more humble and so he says that but 
so he specifically tells Shiblon, good job in being humble and not doing that. And, and Corianton, bad job in being proud and debating of your own strength. In fact, he says that same thing, right? Like, I wish that you hadn't done that with the Zoramites because you did boast of thy own strength and thine own wisdom. And that's exactly what they used to do. Remember um, in Shiblon, the same experience where they went back and they would stand up on the, um, on the, uh, the Ramiumptum and pray, right? But in Corianton, he says, Corianton's advice, I'm sorry, Shiblon's advice, he says, be diligent and temperate in all things. This is the better son, had to do a little better. See that you're not lifted up in pride. See that you do not boast of your own wisdom nor much of your own strength. Use boldness, but not overbearance. And also see that you bridle your passions, that you may be filled with love. See that you refrain from idleness. Do not praise the Zoramites do, for if ye seen that they may be prayed to be heard of men and to be praised for their wisdom. That's Alma 38. So he's exactly comparing and contrasting this other son. So it seems like he would go and boast in his own strength and he would, um, he, it didn't work out for Corianton. So he says, oh, Shiblon, don't, you know, good job keeping on the, away from pride and boasting in your strength. And Corianton, you struggled here. You struggled here. And then what else does he do? He says, but that's not all you did, which was most grievous. You forsook the ministry, forsakes the ministry. He leaves his mission and you go over to the land of Siron, which must in the borders of the Lamanites after the harlot Isabel. And yea, she did steal the way the hearts of many, but this was no excuse for thee, my son. This is where we say it looks like he um, had a hard time with his pride, but also it looks like he might've had some immoral, uh, at least he went over there. It doesn't say that he actually committed anything, but it does say that it, he went over there. Here's the other direction. Here's the other thing that this sounds like to me. When I read this, I don't know that she's a harlot in a uh, immoral or in, or in chase way. I'm wondering if she is an antichrist, someone that is stealing you away from the church because it says she just steal away the hearts, but not we, not because they fall in love. It's because it changes their heart. It changes their belief. I wonder if Isabel was an antichrist. Isabel was someone that was converting people, and he started to believe what she had to say. Now, remember, there are only about uh, six women, named women in the Book of Mormon, three of them, Eve, Sarah, Mary, or biblical women. So it's just remarkable that Isabel's name is recorded. So why would you, why would she be listed if there were, if she was a prostitute? Maybe. I think it might be because she was a great teacher of, of evil thoughts. She was, she was one that was teaching people um, evil. So it might be, it might be. So it was, and that's why it's saying, hey, it's not that this is most grievous is uh, sexual sin. And I'm not saying that isn't grievous. I think that it's saying it's because you are taking people away from the church. You are apostatizing. And that's why it's like the light of the Holy Ghost. When you do that, that's what's so evil. So to me, I'm wondering, I just wonder, everybody, if this is teaching what Corianton's great sin was apostasy and to lead others away. And wouldn't Alma Jr. know more about that than anybody else since that was his great challenge when he was younger? Might be. So here's why I started out with my story of going back to school. The scriptures are for everyone, but they also might be, what do they mean to you, right? What do they teach you? For me, this time, I saw something a little different about personal apostasy than about chastity and immorality. Maybe you look at it and say, Lori, this is clearly a story about immorality and pride. 
I think they're both very valid. And so I wonder, how do, how do we make this touch our hearts? What is the scripture reading to us? How does this relate to us? What can I do with this information? That's when the scriptures become powerful. That's when they're exciting. Not because there's a right answer, but there's the way that the Spirit's going to use it to speak to you. So I ask you, which, what, what is this speaking to you? What are you getting out of these stories of Helaman and Shiblon and Corianton? What about Alma? What is he teaching you? Really great stuff this time. All right, everybody. Let's wrap it up with that idea. Keep reading on 39. What I want to jump to next time is a little bit about this theology, about the atonement, the resurrection, and the plan of salvation. All right, everybody. Keep on reading.